Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Today we're going to talk about hurt. I want everybody just to kind of grasp in themselves, how many of you have been hurt? I think everybody here, if we're being honest, can say we have been hurt by someone in our life. It could have been a boss. It could have been a friend. It could have been our our loved ones. It doesn't matter. We've all been hurt. But today we're talking about a specific type of hurt, and it's tied to our connection and our relationship with Jesus. It's tied to our discipleship with the Lord. It's actually tied to the love that we are portraying, that we are giving towards others. It's the love that we have that pours out of us because it's been pouring in through Jesus. That we're sharing it with others. And because of that love, people don't like us. That's the hurt that's going to be looked at today. But you know what comes along with that hurt is Jesus gives a promise of reward. So with the hurt that we may be feeling, with the pain that people are persecuting us with, Jesus says, it's okay because you can't focus on the here and the now. Focus on the to come. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, farmers, they toil at the ground, right? I mean, farmers, they go out. And they, they plow the ground, and, it, and the sweat of their brow goes into that plowing of the ground. Especially in those times when Paul is writing, he's talking to a very arid and dry land. So when they plowed the ground, it was right after the, the wet season had come, and then the dry season had come. And so the ground would be solid as a rock. So plowing the ground was so tedious and tiresome, and they would plow the ground, wouldn't they? They'd pull out all the weeds. They'd remove the big old stones that were sitting there stopping anything from growing in that one spot. They'd do all the toil and all the work. Why? Because they wanted the reward that comes at the end of the planting season. The fruit. He says a military person. A military person, they go out and they go with the training, they go with the intensity of the training, they forfeit their life potentially. And they forfeit their home life. It says, you don't even worry about your home life, is what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, you don't worry about that. Why? It's for the reward of freedom for others. He moves on in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And he talks about athletes. In fact, Paul, a lot of times, he likens the disciples' life, he likens people that are working for Christ as an athletic competition. And he says, listen, you're you're boxing, you're running, you're doing all those different things. And he says, you toil 
and you strain, you agonizomai, you go through agony of the muscles. I remember when I was in wrestling, or as Nikki used to always love to pick on me when I was the youth pastor, he said, when I was a white dude in high school wrestling, that's what he'd always joke around. Yes, I was a white dude, I still am a white dude, I used to wrestle, um, but anyways, back then, when I wrestled, I remember I quit fried foods, I quit sodas, I quit doing all that stuff. Why? Because I was trying to put only stuff that would feed what I wanted my body to do. I wanted it to grow strong. Why did I go through all that? For the sake of hopefully, at the end of the year, wrestling that final competition at state or at nationals so I could get a medal that was plated with gold that in 20 years, no one's going to remember that I won. And that's what Paul says. You wrestle, you toil, you plant, you protect. All for what? Something that's temporary. It's planted in the ground and it's gone tomorrow. Back then they got a reef that ran around their head in the Olympic Games. That's it. You got a bunch of pats on the back. Sometimes they would erect a statue when you went back to your home because they saw you as similar to the Olympic gods. But that was basically it. Nothing lasted. And that's what Paul is saying. He's, he's like, listen, you do those things for something that's temporary, but we, as believers, as disciples, we're enduring. We're going through agonizomai, through pain, through persecution, through hate in life. For a prize that cannot go bad. That eternally endures. And that everybody will remember because your name will be great in God's kingdom. And that's what Jesus is really getting to at the heart of Matthew chapter 5. If you would go there with me, Matthew chapter 5. Looking at verse 10, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's not saying that anybody else that dies and goes to heaven having known Jesus Christ, they're not going to be in heaven. They're not going to be part of heaven. They're not going to be part of the kingdom or anything like that. It's saying, blessed are those who are persecuted, that are talked down about, talked bad about, that are hated, that are despised, that are thought little of, that are beaten. That when you're at work, you're skipped over the promotion. That you're rejected for the good. Where people don't want to sit with you in the lunchroom because you're that Christian. Blessed are you because of what you're doing for the sake of Christ. The word persecuted here is the word dedio gemeno. I. I know that's a very difficult one. It's hard for me to even say it here. But it, it literally means to make flee or to run or to take cover from somebody's ill intent. 
it was most often used of being hunted by a hunter. And it's literally like you were being hunted by a hunter and you ran away because the bullets start flying at you. And that's literally what Jesus is trying to get at is the bullets are flying at you for the sake of what you do for Jesus Christ. Because you've decided to live for the kingdom of God and not for the here and now reward, you're living for the reward that God, the gracious Father, is going to give you. Bullets are flying your way. It was usually, like I said, used for a deadly pursuit of a hunter. And Jesus' saying is, when people vehemently hate you, when they stand against you and make it their goal to stand in opposition to you. What a blessing that is. You see, because this blessing is a future blessing. This isn't the here and now. We're, we're working for a kingdom, brothers and sisters, that cannot be shaken. Ours is eternally secure in the hands of Jesus. Open up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Peter is very much writing in the similar thoughts of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, when he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He gives us the definition, really. He just breaks it down a little bit simply here for us. He says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles or unbelievers so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, your life is what is being looked at closely in this passage, in these passages really, isn't it? Your life being lived as a disciple for Jesus. And men judging falsely, judging it falsely, spitefully, hatefully, according to their own understanding. They look at what you're doing and they don't understand it. Nikki shouldn't be nice to me. I'm not nice to him. Why is he acting this way? It's fake. So I'm going to reject him. Why is Eric always smiling? It bothers me. I don't like that he's always smiling. So I don't like that. I'm going to reject him. That's what it's talking about. Is your life being lived for the sake of the kingdom of God being persecuted? The thing for which they hate you, despise you, talk bad about you is actually the good that you're doing for God. And then he says, but you know what's going to happen is when the Lord comes back in the day of His coming. They're going to praise you for what you had done. Men judge falsely, but God judges rightly all the time, doesn't He? That's why we call Him the righteous judge. Amen? Men say, you know what? Ampy's nice, and, and, and she's always very happy and jolly, and she always wants to do extra at work, but really what it is is because she's brown-nosing for the boss. That's really what it is. 
Al doesn't hang out with us and talk trash like everybody else and say nasty things because he thinks he's better than us. That's really what it is. That's what it's about. Let's make Margie make a mistake so the boss doubts her and stops depending on her so much. They're chasing you for the good that you do. They pursue you because of the right that you do. You are hunted for the actions of good. For the kindness, for the love, for the grace. They speak evil about you for the things that you do for the sake of God's kingdom. That's what this passage is saying. But as Peter says, keep on doing them. Keep on doing them. Pursue them. Persist in them. Endure in them. Jesus is basically saying the same thoughts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. He's saying, look, you've been persecuted over them because you've kept on doing them. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake. Keep on doing them. Why? Because you do them for eternal glory. Not the glory of men. You're living for Christ's return, not for man's praise. Amen? That's the promise Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. As well as those whose righteous deeds are despised, talked bad about, hated, they will receive the kingdom. Their inheritance is not an inheritance like we usually think inheritance, right? I mean, think about inheritance in most of your cases. When your parents passed away or a loved one passed away, it was maybe your great uncle or something like that. You got like, you know, because that was the Great Depression time, you got a jar of like coins, you know? It was like, man, I got this great jar of $150 worth of coins. This is, you know, and you, it was so sweet that they remembered you. I remember when my abuela died, she sewed money into her pants, and we actually had to unroll the, 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 the you know, creases of her pants and, and look through everything because my mom donated a bunch of clothes and somebody said, oh, there's a $500 bill rolled up inside of the crease. So we had to go through abuela's clothes, all of it. Why? Because she had lived in that time. They collected things, jars. I mean, I, I remember going down with my, with my grandpa, uh, you know, up in Michigan, and there would just be jars everywhere. And it was why? Because he was like, if a, a depression hits again, I'll start jarring tons of food and I would be fine. And that's what people inherit. And we look at that and we laugh, don't we? I mean, because it, it is a little funny. We haven't lived through those harsh times. We might be soon, who knows. But we're not inheriting a dilapidated, termite-written house. We're not getting a jar of coins that really, when you add them up, you're looking at them. I remember I got a jar of coins once when I was a kid from, uh, I don't remember exactly who it was. I think it was like a great uncle or something like that. I got a jar of coins and I was so excited because as a kid, you look at a jar of coins and you're like, I'm a millionaire, right? And then you count them out, and it's like, I got $2.50, you know? We're not looking at a jar of coins. We're not looking at an old, beat-up car. 
Those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those who live a disciple's life. Those who seek the attributes that Jesus is speaking about in Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes. You will inherit a portion in the thousand year reign with your Savior Christ Jesus. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that Jesus is a rewarder for your faith. He says, look, I'm a rewarder of your faith. In Revelation 22.12, He says that He is coming again. And what does Jesus say at the very end of saying, I am coming again? He says, and my reward is coming with Me. He's like, I'm not coming empty-handing. I'm coming to give you something. It's just like an athlete persecuting their body, agonizing their body for the sake of something at the end. And yes, our end is in eternity, and that is reward in itself. But Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm giving you something beyond that. I'm giving you something beyond this because I love you so much. I died to create that relationship with you. And for those who are persecuted for the actions of righteousness, for living good and right, Jesus' reward, he says here in, Hebrew, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, is a reigning. It's heaven itself. He says it's going to be the kingdom of heaven when I bring it down here to the earth. When I sit on the throne of David, you will be reigning with me. I mean, think of that, brothers and sisters. Don't you think you could go the extra mile with that in mind? But the problem is most people don't live with the end in mind. And that's the entire idea that Jesus was giving on the Sermon on the Mount. When he gets into chapter 6, he's saying, hey, look, you're living for the temporary things of life. You're living because you want to see your barns filled You're living because you want to have the clothing on your back. And he says, I take care of all the animals and I feed the animals and I clothe the grass. But you seek first the kingdom and the kingdom lifestyle and the kingdom mind and all these things will be added to you. He's saying, don't live for the here and the now. Live for the eternity. And if we live for eternity, we begin to love people the way that we should love them. We begin to love God in the way He deserves to have our full attention of love. He gets our energy in life. Why? Because we're living beyond the here and the now. We're living for things that matter and last. In Matthew chapter 16, I want to go there real quick. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 28. Jesus says this, and He said to His disciples, so who's Jesus speaking to, guys? His disciples. He's not speaking to the Pharisees. He's not speaking to the Sadducees. He's not speaking to the Sanhedrin. He's not speaking to some scribes. He's speaking to disciples, followers of Christ. If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world 
and forfeits his soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will repay every man according to His deeds. Jesus will repay every disciple. Because remember, He's speaking to His disciples. He's being very specific to His disciples. He's saying, hey look, there's going to be a time that even you'll give an account. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we know that the believer's works will go through as if through fire to see if we really did things for the sake of Christ or for recognition. Verse 28, it says, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Now some people in verse 28, they take it to mean that this is the the transfiguration of Christ. And it could mean that. It could mean that that was when Jesus went up and He was transfigured. But the, the word that Jesus uses here for go up, or come, it's also translated in other areas of the Bible as to go out, to go up, or to come along. So, it could literally mean that he's saying, look, when you see me shoot up into the sky after I give you that command to make disciples of all the nations, it could mean that as well. You see, what Jesus is trying to get to is live beyond the now. Live beyond the now. What you do Actions that you take is what Revelation 19 says, we clothe ourselves at the wedding feast of Christ. Yes, we're covered in Christ's righteousness. That's how we enter into heaven. You know that? Romans lets us know that throughout the entire book of Romans. But you know what Revelation says? That there's going to be some naked people at the wedding feast of Christ. There's going to be some naked people at the wedding feast of Christ because it says that the bride clothes herself in the righteousness, the righteous acts of the saints. And some people just don't live for Christ here on earth. They're believers, but they're not living for the sake of the kingdom. See, our focus needs to be on what is eternal and lasts and the pain of the moment needs to leave our mind. We need to be saying, you know what? I can endure all things for the sake of Christ. The hurt of a friend that abandons you. The skipping of a raise. Even the beating just for the sake of being a believer. You can endure all things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you would, go ahead and turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 down to 18, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. I'm not giving up. That's what it means to lose heart. I do not give up. But though our outer man is decaying, even though this body is breaking down and dying, every day I take a breath, I'm dying. But for Paul's case, if you really want to see what Paul went through, look at verses 8 and 9. He's like, I'm being crushed, I'm being persecuted, I'm being hated, I'm I'm struck down. But you know what? I'm not destroyed. 
Even though this outer man is decaying, yet the inner man, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit within you, in fact, the Spirit, that soul, the very soul that lives in you, the eternal being in you, is being renewed day by day. I'm being fed by the Lord every single day and I'm stronger. That's what it means to mature. Every day you're feeding the inner man and growing in him and it's becoming stronger, not weaker, even though this body is breaking down. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal, what is that word? I I think, let's just look at it again. Eternal weight of glory. Far beyond comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That eternal weight of glory. I live for things that are eternal, not things that decay. I'm not living for this body because it decays, and I'm not living for things of this earth because they go away. I live for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen? The conflicts you have on earth, the persecutions, the afflictions, and as Paul says here, the discomforts and the small problems you face for the sake of the kingdom of God are nothing if you keep heavenly focus. Brothers and sisters, Paul was shipwrecked three times. He was beaten multiple times. He was bitten by a venomous snake. He says, I know how to go with starving, and I know how to go in abundance. Paul had gone through so many things for the sake of Christ, but he says, it's momentary light affliction. This is nothing compared to Christ, His coming, and His reward. You see, it's a difference between what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, listen, a hypocrite lives for the reward of the moment. A hypocrite prays to be heard. A hypocrite pays tithes and offerings to get a pat on the back and their name on the building. A hypocrite, they live their life for the sake of being seen. He's saying, but I don't want you to live your life for the sake of the temporary and the things that will go away. I want you to live your life as my disciples living for the reward that is to come. That's why you see within the language of Matthew chapter 5 all the way to chapter 7 and all through Paul's writings and all through the rest of the Bible, you'll see a speaking of reward and giving that will come later on. That's why when people try to present the gospel and say, and God wants to bless you, and God wants to do great things in your life. No, God doesn't want to do great things in your life. He wants to do great things through your life. And there is a big difference in that. If you're living for the gimme, gimme, gimme God, then you have your reward in full. Paul saw nothing greater than to be counted by Jesus as faithful. He wanted nothing more than to be greeted by his Savior when his head got removed from its shoulders in 68 AD, around somewhere around there with Nero. He wanted nothing more than to go up to his Savior and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the pleasure of your King. 
I have to ask you, are you living for that as well? Are you living for the Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, laying up for yourselves treasures here where moth and rust destroy? Are you living for the laying up of future or for the now? Blessed are those who have been persecuted for persecution for, for the sake of righteousness. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be hurt for the sake of good. To be offended for the defending of the kingdom. To be struck for caring of others. To be hated for being His disciple. And if you feel like you can't do it, We all feel that way. It's intimidating to stand up for anything, isn't it? It's intimidating to speak out when we see wrong. It's intimidating to go ahead and in the moment say, you know what, I'm going to swallow my fear and my pride and I'm going to go knock on my neighbor's door and share with them the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's scary. There's a lot of unknown. But Jesus says, blessed are those. Blessed are those. And honestly, we're in good company. I love every time Paul writes Timothy, because every time Paul writes Timothy, he's writing to people like us. Yes, even though Paul is writing Timothy, and the book says 1st and 2nd Timothy, and it says to Timothy, He's specifically writing to Timothy about himself and about Timothy, but you know its application goes to us. Because at the heart of it, aren't we all timid like Timothy? Aren't we all scared young people in our relationship with Christ like Timothy? I love what Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you would, please go there. I want you to see this in your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. And this is where we're going to really break things down and see just the full picture of the persecution and the reward that takes place as well. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the Word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. Verse 11, it is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure with him, uh, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Brothers and sisters, Paul is writing to Timothy. Like we said from the beginning, it says right off the bat, Timothy. And here he's encouraging him, not new believers. 
not unbelievers. He's encouraging Timothy. Take a look at 2 Timothy 2.1. 2 Timothy 2.1, You, therefore, my son. Who is he writing to? Timothy. Who is he writing about? Look at verses 7, 9, and 10. Paul says, I, 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 I. Timothy, me and you, brother. This is what this is about. We're in this hardship together. And he's writing to him to endure, to suffer persecution for the sake of Christ. He says, we, Timothy. You see that? When it goes in verses 11 through 13, he says, if we, if we, if we, if we. He's saying, Timothy, this is you and me. This is me and you, brother. I want to put that in context as we break this down. Verses 8 through 10. If I have suffered, it wasn't for nothing. It wasn't for nothing. I suffer pain and persecution for life lived for Jesus Christ. It doesn't go without reward. That's what Paul is saying here. In fact, the way you live today dictates the reward and glory that you will have in the eternal life. In verses 11 it says, If we died to self and find life in Jesus, much like what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and we looked at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Take up the cross daily, meaning daily die to yourself, your selfishness. Hang your selfishness on the cross of Calvary. Leave it behind and follow him. Die to live. That's what we're seeing in these verses, 8 through 11. And we come to verse 12. It says, if we endure... If we endure hardship, if we endure pains, if we endure suffering, if we endure going without, if we endure persecutions, we will reign with Him. Meaning the inheritance you will receive is the inheritance of being one of those that is a believer that sits alongside and judges with Christ. That's what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. It says, do you not know that you will sit as judges of the living and the dead? Do you not know that you will judge angels? Paul is writing to believers. Believers will sit alongside Jesus. This corresponds with Revelation chapter 20, verses 1-6, through where it says that the saints, the judges, will rule alongside Jesus and they will judge. And the martyrs that made it through the tribulation, they will rule with Christ also. That's a holy reward, brothers and sisters. Why? Because you endured for the sake of the kingdom of God. You see, it takes choosing to be a disciple of Jesus, which means you're heeding His call, as He says, to follow Me. Jesus before the Pharisees, in John chapter 10, verse 32, they were getting ready to stone Him to death. Why? Because He said, basically, I am God. He's saying, I am God. And they picked up stones and they were getting ready to chuck them at him and and kill him right there on the spot. And he says, hey, I've done a lot of really good things. I've done a lot of really righteous things. I've healed the lepers. I've raised people from the dead. I've cast out demons. For which of those are you about to stone me for? And every single person dropped down their stone. Brothers and sisters, If you're being persecuted, it needs to be persecuted for the sake of Christ. 
If you're being hated, you need to be hated for the sake of loving God. Amen? And loving others. That's what it means to love God and love others. It means that you're living out Jesus Christ in your life. You're living out the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For what of these are you going to stone me? What of the good things I'm doing are you about to stone me? Can you say that? I love what Dr. Evans says. He says, you know what? If you had to stand trial for being a Christian, you better make sure there's plenty of evidence to be found guilty of all charges. I want to be found guilty of Christ. We continue in 2 Timothy chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12, it says, If we endure, we will also be with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we deny Him, meaning if we deny Jesus our life, Remember, he's talking about the life of a disciple. He's talking to Timothy and he's saying, Timothy, if you stop what you're doing, if you stop running your race, if you stop the action of an athlete, if you stop being enlisted man, if you stop being a farmer, you'll be denied. You'll be denied the reward in the end. You'll be denied enduring because your actions aren't there. Don't give up, brother. If we... He includes Himself if we deny Him, if we deny Jesus, if we stop living for Him, if the time comes when I'm standing before Nero and he says to me, deny Christ and I deny Him, it doesn't mean I lose my salvation. It means He's going to deny me all the reward that I just lived out for Him. You know, a lot of people, they look at that passage and they're saying, this means that you can lose your salvation. No. Not when we look at it in context of who He's talking to. Can you tell yourself Paul can lose his salvation? Any of you? No. It makes a lot more sense when we're looking at it in context, doesn't it? But it's as if Paul knew exactly where people would go with their thinking, too. It's as if Paul knew that this word of deny, deny would give a little confusion because he clarifies in verse 13, not talking about eternal life. He gets very specific. He says, if we lose faith, Meaning if you fall off, if you fail, if you're faithless, if you come to that point where you're just saying, Jesus, I, I don't know what's real. I don't know if I can believe you anymore. I don't know any of this stuff. I don't know if what I'm reading, nothing, nothing's making sense. If you get disheartened to the point of just giving up in your faith, He will not deny you before His God in heaven. You will still have entrance into the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're His child. Why? Because you've been bought with a price. Why? Because He loves you more than Himself and laid Himself on the cross of Calvary. If you get disheartened with what you read, it doesn't matter. Jesus still loves you. You see, this is the heart of love that God has for you. That He would love you beyond everything. That He would love you because you're His child. Because He would love you even though you walk away like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verses 11-32, to where He says, you know what? I can't follow Him into the sin, but He's still my son, and when He returns, I'm going to give Him everything back because I love Him so much. 
This is the life of a disciple, brothers and sisters, a life of following, a life of living for Him. And you see, that's why Jesus says in Matthew 5.10 that you're blessed in your struggle today because your heavenly tomorrow is abundant in blessing. You see, we have an amazing opportunity here on earth. Here on earth, we get to preach the gospel, to think about the gospel, to share the gospel, and to live the gospel. When you trusted Jesus Christ, you were declared righteous before God in standing. He says, I hold nothing against him because I see my son and the price he paid. And now Jesus is saying, hey, look, take the best out of that opportunity and live righteously for me. Listen, we never should be motivated to live for Christ because of guilt. You should never live for Christ because you feel guilty or obligated. And you shouldn't live for Christ because you think you're going to get a reward. I think that's, that's atrocious too. There's no relationship or love in those things. Do you, do you really feel loved if you're basically saying, hey, I'm going to do this for you because you're going to give me something? No, there's no love in that. And Jesus wants us to love Him. And multiple times in Matthew chapter 6, it says if you feel obligated for something and if you're doing it for show, you've got your reward. People have seen it. You've got your pat on the back. And don't live for that. Live for love. And live for His glory. Live for love and live for His glory. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, let me go there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works. Those good works that they hate that you do. 1 Peter chapter 2. Those good works that they're speaking bad about you about. Those good works that you're being persecuted for, for righteousness' sake. They may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We live for the glory of Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Colossians chapter 3. Turn there real quick with me. Colossians chapter 3. This will be how we end today. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 20, uh, verses 2 and 3. Excuse me, 23 and 24. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says, Slaves in all things. He's speaking to people that are working. Just jump down to verse 23 24. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Your life and everything that you're doing has an eternal weight of glory. Do it for the Lord. Do it for Him and His glory. Knowing that your boss who's persecuting you because you're a believer, your payment doesn't really come from Him. It comes from the Lord. It is Christ whom you serve. 
Live to bring glory to God. Live for his kingdom. Live to know him better. Live knowing this life is not the reward. It's the one to come. Live doing right for him. People may hate you. People may hurt you. People may hunt you. But count it as blessing because you're living righteously and will receive a reward. Blessed are those Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.